Welcome to this week's edition of Sullivan and Son Sports Podcast. I'm Seamus Sullivan. And I'm Mark Sullivan. We'll start off with some baseball. I think we've been we've been doing starting off with baseball for a while now. It's worked out pretty good, pretty good formula. So we'll start with some baseball again. And something that I thought was kind of interesting was an autograph snub at and it was also an all-star snub. And it wasn't the traditional autograph or all-star snub. It was two all-stars were at the all-star game together, Pat Nishik and Zach Greinke. And I guess Pat Nishik asked Greinke to sign, uh, he, he collects like baseball cards of every team, and he asked him to sign some cards for him and his son. And I guess Greinke said yes at the all-star game and then said no later on. And it's, I think it's just hilarious because it's they're both all-stars, and it's an all-star snubbing an all-star, not... <laughs> a guy getting snubbed from the all-star team. Right, and, and Pat Neshek, it seems to be taking the thing entirely to a new level because this is something that probably should not come out in the press, and you you should have probably seen these types of interactions between players in the past, and it, and it would not have been publicized. But Neshek is just over... I mean, you read about what he said, and you can tell he's like, over-the-top upset with Grinky and did not take the, the the high route in terms of trying to resolve it is like, uh, you know, by lambasting him, it's like almost escalating the uh, escalating the interaction yeah. and escalating the fight. Good luck to get, getting those cards signed ever now. And he actually yeah. said that in one of his Twitter posts. He's like, oh, I guess I'll just have to trade or buy, buy somebody else's. But what was funny for me is he did, uh, you know, Take it to Twitter, which a lot of people do nowadays. But interestingly enough, he's on a he's on a message boards or like a forum for like uh, trading cards and card signing. He's on a, like a a forum and a trading site, and that's where he started. He's like, "Hey guys, just want to let you know." And he posts this long post about his story with Zach Granke. And I just thought it was it was funny to see a major leaguer on like a card trading website, especially an all star major leaguer. Right, I I haven't heard about that either. It seems an unusual situation. He see yeah, the the reporting is that he collects most of them for the benefit of his son, and was even going to have his son ask Grinky for the autograph. And I think Grinky has now said he would even because again we're not using the words, but Grinky has used some or not Grinky, Nishak has used some incredibly inappropriate language in terms of <laughs> talking about the turn down from. Grinky and uh, you know, at this point, if you know, it would take an, I think, an apology from Nishak before Grinky's going to even consider it because of just of how the things that he's, how he's called him out and talked to him. I kind of like uh, this is completely unrelated, but kind of I like Grinky's approaches because apparently uh, he doesn't sign a lot of stuff, and so it makes his signature a little bit more valuable to collect or a cool when you get it. And so I, I'm of two schools of thought. I'd either sign, like, if I was a professional athlete or somebody famous, I'd either sign so much stuff. Like, I'd sign kind of what Team Tebow does. Is he literally signs everything. He'll be at his games, and he'll sign everything everybody wants signed. And it almost makes his signature, and the fact that he's not really that great of a player at any sport, <laughs> but it makes his signature somewhat <laughs> worthless. Uh, so I'd either do that or, you know, the Granky way, which is sign very little stuff just because – I know we've talked about it before on the podcast, those golfers that get kind of annoyed with these older guys that they know they're just signing stuff so they can sell them on eBay. Right. And it's 
I, I could see that being annoying as a professional athlete. Well, it, it brings up a fun story and one that maybe adds a little color commentary to this from our evangelist that we had in Jamie Montera uh, shared the story with me about him and his son attending the uh, Colorado Rockies versus the Washington Nationals game. And his son is a huge Washington Nationals fan. And so they're, they're there, and he's a huge Bryce Harper fan as well. And he went for his birthday the day before, I think it was his 11th, 11th birthday, they went to the game as a birthday present to him, had really close seats to the front, and they got there early enough that you know players are signing autographs. And he goes up to the front, and, and all these kids are yelling for Bryce Harper, you know, come over and sign stuff. And there's a guy there who is a professional, probably a professional autograph, you know, the memorabilia collector. And he said, Harper won't sign anything for you. He does not sign anything at away games. He only signs at home games. And he says, I have some Bryce Harper stuff here, and I'll give you a deal on it. And he had a baseball, and he said, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, pay, I'll give you a, you know, deal on it. And so Jamie asked him how much he wanted for it. And he said, well, 75 bucks. Jamie's like, what? So <laughs> like, I thought you were going to give me a deal, man. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, I got to make a living. It's a, it's a good price. And so he didn't, he's, he's like, you, you won't get anything from him. You this is the only place you'll get an autograph. Well, they're standing there watching Bryce Harper and watching the players. And, uh, Jamie's son notices that there's someone sitting behind him and he's, he starts looking at him and keeps looking at him. And it turns out to be Steven Strasburg, who grew up in the Colorado area, but oh, cool. he's not he's not pitching that day. He's not the starter, so he's in the stands. And I guess he's <laughs> in the stands with his wife, and, and his Jamie's son recognizes him and goes up to him and says, hey, are you uh, Steven Strasburg? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so instead it's, of being in the clubhouse, he's just sitting, he's in, sitting <laughs> in the stands for the warm-ups because he doesn't, you know, it's his off day. And starts talking with him. And he said, well, because he's now, Jamie's son is decked out in national stuff, cap, jersey stuff. He's talking with him and he's like, well, you know, who's your favorite player? And he goes, well, Bryce Harper. <laughs> and he's like. To yeah. Steven Strasburg. He yes, says. he says this to Steven Strasburg. And he says, my really? favorite, My favorite batter is Bryce Harper. <laughs> favorite pitcher is uh, Steven Strasburg. Yeah, well, he asked him who his favorite player was. And says, you know, uh, Bryce Harper. And he's like. He's like, really? Okay. So he's like, you go, you go stand up right up at that, at that fence there. And, um, I'm going to get Bryce Harper to sign some stuff for you. So Strasburg is there and he whistles a few times to get Bryce Harper's attention. And Bryce, you know, is finishing his warm up, and he comes over and he signed everything that Jamie's son had his hat, oh, balls, you know, everything. And uh, I think even Strasburg signed some stuff. And the wow. memorabilia collector came over and wanted to buy stuff <laughs> from Jamie's son. Good luck. Good so, luck. Uh, you know, yeah, the blessing of the Lord, the favor of the Lord on him <laughs> as he went there. And this guy saying, no, he won't sign anything for you. I'll sell you this ball for 75 bucks. And well, he gets everything he had there signed by Bryce <laughs> and Harper. And he got to talk to Steven Strasburg. Yeah, yeah. Strasburg. And he's a huge Nationals fan. So it certainly worked out for him. So now oh, we'll, have to, really cool. we'll have to share the link here with uh, Jamie. So we get a new listener to our <laughs> podcast. We're up to five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's a really cool story. I had I had no idea about that uh, coming into this. I, and, and then also, again, you talk about signing everything or nothing. 
uh, I know that Pete Rose, when he was a player and then as a manager, player manager and manager for the Cincinnati Reds, would actually get mad at his players for signing autographs for free. Because really? He, now, again, this is 1980s when uh, you know the, the world was a little different and they weren't earning as much. But he was like, you shouldn't be giving away something for free that you can be paid to do. Mm. And certainly it... it reflects who pete rose is yeah. and with regards to his generosity the and those entrepreneurial types of, yes spirit. exactly <laughs> so and some of the idiosyncrasies of signing autographs and mm. you know some you know players you know like cranky don't do it at all as a general practice and others like tim tebow will do it for everybody <laughs> but i don't think anybody's paying him for his autograph no i agree <laughs> you know some guys will get paid to at shows and those types of things but usually it's the guys who are not playing well, anymore that was i was reading which was interesting is they have a i don't know if we talked about this they have like uh card companies will make deals and there was one with dak prescott and they got mad because apparently he had like a machine sign all these cards for him oh i, I mean i i can't remember what the what the, i think he ended up just re-signing them and I, that, I, I that, don't want to pin I, blame on anybody. Right. Well, but. yeah, you know, he probably, you know, probably someone had made an offer that, hey, we can do this mechanically. And, right. Um, so, because it's like a tops or whatever, what are the fleet or something? Fleer? Fleer. Fleer. Yeah. We'll have like a special edition where we'll have like 10,000 of them. Right. So. Well, that's a lot of signatures. Well, I know we were speaking about a little bit of an all-star snub, signature snub thing. Here's a more, I thought, very weird snub. It's a snub in that. So Justin Upton hit a home run in L.A. for the uh, Angels or Anaheim or wherever they play. I, I, they've changed their name too many times. Justin Upton's, uh, he, he hit a 444-foot uh, homer, and it landed in an oversized Sherwin-Williams paint can. And apparently the Angels had put it there, and if anybody, I don't think it mattered if it was an Angels player or a visiting player, hit a home run into this paint can, they would donate a million dollars to like the Anaheim Angels baseball foundation or something uh but they were like we're not gonna pay it out because the ball bounced before it went in oh man and i thought i just thought i'm like wow that's a really cheesy way to get out of paying out a million bucks so if it bounced in the can and bounced out would they pay it i I think they didn't say that i was thinking the same thing when i read this and i'm like i bet you they're saving that one they've got their they've got their attorneys all over this we're never paying out the million dollars (laughs) so i'm sure that'll be their their next uh, thing somehow they'll get out of it when it actually does land in it because they'll be like it stayed in the can, but when you mean land, it has to, like, stick. Like, it's Velcro, you know? <laughs> Correct. But I thought it was a really I, – I mean, I'm not doing the finances of the, the angels or anything, but I think they can spare a million bucks for their own charity right. organization. That, that was a fascinating thing you said as well, is it went to their own foundation. Right. So, you know, they're transferring it across the books. Because it reminded me of a snub a while back. There was this uh, – I can't remember who it was, but it was a basketball, like um, – you know, in between like halftime or something or in between quarters, they did this challenge, like make a layup, make a free throw, make a three pointer, make half court shot. And you, you, I don't know. I think you only had a certain amount of time and like a ridiculously short amount of time, like 15 or 20 seconds. So you basically have to hit them all in a row. Mm -hmm. And this guy hit a layup, hit the free throw, forgot the three pointer, but hit the, the half court shot. And they didn't want to pay him the million dollars or I can't remember what it was, but People were well, pretty mad about it. I think LeBron James was there. I think Cleveland was playing, and he was pretty mad about it. And I think he ended up getting compensated like 50 grand or something <clears throat> weird like that. That one I actually probably would have more um, 
issue with because in many of these cases, they don't actually have a million dollars in escrow, but they actually buy an insurance policy. Right. So the insurance policy would stipulate that the person had to do exactly what was said. Otherwise, that money's coming out of their own pocket. So, right. I, and I get that, <clears> but it's just like, so he, he makes, the, the, the hard one is the half-court shot, and he right. makes that one, and they're like, oh, but you forgot the three-pointer, so you get nothing. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think LeBron James like tackled the guy and was like celebrating with him or something, but... It was a very interesting snub. I think I think this one's worse because it's it's charity and it's like, how often are you going to hit a home run into a little paint can? Well, four hundred forty-four feet is a long home run too. Yeah, it was it was a huge home run, and they're like, well, it, it bounced before it went in. So I was like, come come on, Angels. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, they're certainly getting a lot of uh, airtime out of it. And the last very weird baseball thing for this week is, uh, is we're still in. California for this one. It's the San Francisco Giants Ball Boys, who I, I don't think their title is Ball Boys, but they're more like Ball Grandpas. They, you showed me the video on these guys. These guys are old, and I can't, I can't imagine. We don't, we didn't do any research on it, but I can't imagine that they're playing the Ball Boys for the entire game because, we, or every home game for that matter. Right. The the snippets you showed me of video. They're moving so slowly, the umpire had to wait for them to chase down the ball. I mean, it was a long time out, and, you know, Major League Baseball already has an issue with the length of games, and if you know, slow it down because they've got these ancient ball boys <laughs> out in left and right field chasing down the ball. Well, the, and, go ahead. I'll oh, I was going to say, I think you were going to go to the one place. The guy who was on the... On the on the right field side, when he chased down the ball, he fell. <laughs> yeah, and he was, was just like took him a while to get back up. He was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> he made the not top ten though. That's how I saw ESPN not top ten. <laughs> they they do a six out of seven days. They do a top ten. I don't watch any of those. I only watch on Friday. They do the not top ten. Love it. <laughs> it's just hilarious the flukes. But and then the, I'll I'll tell the other the other story then since you got that one the the left field side. Also, probably in his 80s, because they both wear numbers like 81 and 82, and we're, we're assuming that's their age. <laughs> Again, I tried I tried Googling their numbers, and nothing came back. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, usually, I know the Twins ball boys just have BB right. on the back. Or are those, are those bat boys, then? Oh, I, I think those bat are... Bat boys or ball boys? I don't know. Because those guys are coming from the dugout, so I thought they were bat boys. That's probably know. true, because I, th- you're, I think you're spot on, because mm-hmm. the... The ones that they have flagging the shagging the balls, I don't think have any sort of normally any sort of jersey on. They're wearing a right. jacket or a sweatshirt or yeah. something. Because it's like you know, just some random, something random person. It seems like that has no idea, like a diverting from the the old guys. There's one with like a, a younger woman, uh, like she was probably a teenager. I don't know how she looked really young, and uh, she picked up a ball that was live she like fielded it and was like gonna throw it in the crowd and people were like that's a live ball and so she turned and like threw it back on the ground and tried to play it off like oh, i didn't touch that like, oh my goodness <laughs> feel like, sorry for her yeah. that's a huge embarrassment yeah but anyways the other guy the other guy in left field the foul ball is hit towards him and it's hit far away so he runs chases it down takes forever like you were saying throws it into the fans he gets back to his little chair, sits down, 
another foul ball is hit towards him. And this time the left fielder just ran over and threw it into the stands. Looked like he was a little uh, upset with the pace of play himself. Well, the ESPN reporters were giving him a hard time because they're like, okay, he's up to fifth gear and the guy is barely walking, you know? Um. So yeah, Do we, we want to end with baseball on a high note because we are, have been following the John Carlos Stanton oh, home right. run uh, trek. And today is September 21st. He's at 56 home runs. Nice. Really within, uh, very much within reach of uh, the 60 and, in my opinion, 61 or 62. How many games does he have left? I did not check that. but I thought they were down to like three or four games left. No, they've got to have more than that. Really? Uh, you know, it goes a little bit into uh, let's just try it out because October is a uh, playoffs 10 games they have 10 games remaining I think uh, certainly with a hot streak he can hit uh, that many home runs and, and uh, break uh, Roger Maris's record I mean at one point he had 11 and 11 games right Something right was, it was like 11 games or maybe I'm making that up now too but you're right yeah because I mean that's uh so that's again a home run every other game which is what he had to do last time we talked Right, which would be about one home run every eight to ten at bats. Mm-hmm. Certainly very feasible, especially if he gets hot. You know, right? Yeah. So you, you have it'll be fun couple, to watch this play out. A couple of multi-home run games, you're you're there, right? So yeah. I'd love to see him break it. I would too. I think that would be it. fun. Yeah, get sixty-two or more. Come on, we're we're rooting you on, John Carlo. Yeah, they're they're totally out of the playoffs, so there's something still to watch with the Marlins. Okay, we'll move on from baseball. We'll get into a little bit of football here. Uh, I just wanted to start with some college football. I know I don't really follow it super closely, neither do you, but I just thought I came across this the other day, and I know Harbaugh is a really interesting guy, really idiosyncratic, very, very weird guy. And I just realized he, and this is what was shocking to me, he had a sleepover to get a recruit, so he showed up at his house, stayed the night, it was the kicker. This wasn't like a quarterback, a wide receiver, running back, no skill position, no defensive player. He wanted the kicker that badly that he uh, slept over his house and got the guy to take back his verbal statement from verbal commitment from Penn State and sign a letter of intent to Michigan. Yep, he said he took with him his toothbrush and a good attitude. <laughs> I'm just surprised his, that the family actually hosted him in their home. I think that's amazing <laughs> in and of itself. You, you want to spend the night with our high schooler and you're how old? <laughs> yeah, this, he's 17 years old and you're, you know, just... 40s, this, <laughs> at least. Right. And so that was interesting. I thought he's he's got really... Cool recruiting tactics. I, I kind of like, I mean, from an outsider looking in, I guess I'm not any of these practices, but some of the stuff I've read, seen, heard, I like it. He does satellite camps all over the South, so he's, like, encroaching on different teams. Like, you know, he's poaching their players, and then he, he took his team to Italy, and they're, like, looking at gladiators or something. So he's just a really eccentric coach, but I think he does, I mean, he's a winner. So he does his camps like at LSU and Alabama and Auburn, well, uses I their facilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think these facilities are nice? You got to see what we have back in Ann Arbor, right? No, but he'll like, uh, he'll uh, do them at like the high schools, the, you know, the local high schools. And I, I don't know if he's been too successful in nabbing recruits, but it's definitely, they, the certainly raises are, his visibility. It's well, not going to hurt him. And the other coaches are complaining about it to the NCAA to try and, get them to, to oh eliminate this. And I already think the NCAA is, it's not really what it was intended anymore. And this story highlights it. Agreed. I, right. There's a runner. His name's Ryan Trahan, Trahan. 
I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah, T R A H A N. And he runs for, well, he, he wants to run for Texas A&M. And he has a, a water bottle company. I don't know too much about it. It's like special biodegradable. But the NCAA is saying he cannot use his, uh, he's a, I think he's a track runner. He can't use his Texas A&M uh, as running track or the school to promote his water bottles on YouTube. Right. They said they can't use any reference to his status as a student athlete or depict his football skill or ability in promoting his company. And I'm oh, that, that, He's a track runner. Right. I know, but that, that I guess he must also play football because no, that's a different guy. Oh, he, <laughs> oh, he, you're right. I apologize. <laughs> it was that's the end. It wasn't that was Sorry. the kicker uh, Donald LaHaye. Sorry. No, yeah, it's, it's it was the same story. But uh, yeah, so th- this track runner, he's he started his own business, and I think it just goes against. I mean, that's really what you know people will claim is the American dream, the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, go out, start a business, work hard, and this guy. What he can do really well is he started a business and he can run track, but you can't intermingle them because then, you know, you're not a true amateur because you're selling water bottles while you're running track. Yeah, the rules of the NCAA and their recruiting rules are 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 just insane at this point with regards to what they allow and don't allow. It's a, I think it's a bureaucracy gone wild. And not that I would at all agree with him, but... It, there was a player, uh, his name was Brian Bosworth, played in the 1980s. <laughs> Do you know him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he actually, uh, he did not play. I think they he played for Oklahoma, and they were playing a national championship. And on the sidelines of the game, he was wearing a T-shirt that said, National Communists Against Athletes <laughs> for NCAA. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, oh, man. Because uh, I, I only know Bosworth because Bo Jackson ran him over when, I think he was, Bo Jackson was playing for Oakland, and he was playing for Seattle. That ben. sounds right. I know he played uh, very. He, he was like a high, highly rated athlete coming out of college, and did not live up to the hype. Right, Bosworth. I right, think Bo Jackson was pretty good, shortened by injuries, but he was talking a lot of smack before the game, and it came down to it, mano a mano, and Bo Jackson absolutely ran him over into the end zone, and that's the only reason I know him. I, you know, I've he he also was a he was. Uh, a flamboyant player with a very vocal, uh, vocal personality. Mm. Uh, Brian Bosworth was, gotcha. and also I would say very arrogant. I mean, he was mm. just—that's who he was. He just kind of had this very much an edgy personality. Moving from amateurs and specifically amateur football to professional football because we're—it's back. We're kicking off week three as we speak. Rams are playing against the 49ers. Um, just as a, a longtime Chicago Bear fan, I thought it was really cool to see Charles Tillman, which if you know the Chicago Bears, he played cornerback from, was pre- pretty good. In two, my two Pro Bowls in his 12 years. So, you know, uh, and I think he was an All-Pro in there, I'd, you know, mixed in there too. Uh, he's, he's joining the FBI at like 35 or 36. I think it's impressive. He's always been a, a above board guy, guy of character. And uh, so it's been, it's cool to see him do that. I know he... You know, he won the NFL Salute to Service Award in 2012, and you know, his dad also served in the ser- in the service. So him having an FBI career does not surprise me. Other than most former athletes, because of the income they're earning in their in their athletic career, generally look for something that will 
maintain a higher income level like broadcasting or where they can get endorsements or coaching and those types of things. Buying some restaurants or... Uh... Right, right. <laughs> no, no, not that those are very profitable, but anyways. But selling insurance. <laughs> <laughs> but be, uh, being an FBI agent is not going to be... It's not uh, a common one, I don't no. think. I wonder <laughs> if he had to get a haircut for it. I don't know what their... their, their well, personal grooming policy is because I, I don't, don't know think that he'll it's be dreads. able to do. I don't think he'll be able to do much undercover work. I think that <laughs> might be. That's true. <laughs> unless hey. unless they get the same guys, the same makeup artists who did Leon Sandcastle. Right. <laughs> yeah, that NFL might be a little costly guys. for the FBI. Yeah, that be that is actually a fascinating point. I think you'll have to be, you know, an above board investigator. I'm not sure where he'll end up, but yeah, that's it's a cool story. And one last thing, I'm going to wrap up. The, the professional football, talking about that, is uh, did you watch the Cowboys game? I did night? not. Well, the the NFL failed at, they wanted to do like an emergency injunction to try and keep Ezekiel Elliott suspended because he won his, so he doesn't have to serve the six-game suspension. They were trying to get him suspended again. And I was just thinking, I mean, I, I feel like that was a sus- at least one game suspension served with... Eight rushing yards and like six receiving yards. Oh my goodness! You might as well have just sat out that game with that, that horrible of an output, right? Did the Cowboys win? No, they were playing Denver. They oh lost. man, yeah, they lost pretty bad. It was like I think forty something to twenty something. Okay, but I just I, I was looking at his stat line. I'm like. Yeah, you should have just, if you had just served the suspension, you know, does that count for one of his games? <laughs> now, the only thing is, he gets, whether he's getting 16 yards total yardage or zero, he's still getting paid that's, when he's not true. suspended. He probably made $100,000 per yard. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's a rookie. He's on his rookie contract, so oh, he's, true. he's not going to be making that much. $30,000 per yard? Oh, yes. no. <laughs> people were People were saying, uh, if you went to your fridge on Sunday, you had more yards than Ezekiel <laughs> <laughs> if you shuffled across and manually changed the channel, you got as many yards as he did. Uh, but I know that real quick, what we'll wrap up on is I thought it was funny. It's not basketball just yet. It's almost starting, but Charles Barkley was given throwing some shade at current players. You know that he's always the, the he's always very outspoken, uh, has some strong opinions, and he used humor in it because he was incredibly he was sarcastic about his comments. <laughs> he's like, you know, these poor babies can't play back to back games because what the NBA did was they moved up the the start of the season so that there would be fewer games where teams had to play two games in a row, especially on the road. And I guess the players were complaining about fatigue and 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 how that impacted them and their performance. And Charles Barkley, like, you know, they stay in four-star hotels and they got private jets, and he's talking about, hey, we used to pl- fly commercial airlines and, you know, we played back-to-back all the time. He's like, and if you go back to the generation before us, they rode on trains and played back-to-back games. And smoked cigarettes in between quarters, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them, I think, still will take up a smoke here or there. I don't know between quarters. <laughs> Vladi Divac of the of the Lakers was a known smoker playing oh, in, the, in the even in the 90s. I just, I would, I would argue against Charles for a couple of reasons, is coaches like Greg Popovich had already realized the advantages to resting players and was already doing that and i think coaches were catching on and whether players were were complaining or not i mean i don't know i feel like most athletes 
you know, even with concussions nowadays and, you know, injuries and it seems like players want to play. They don't get to that level by being like, ah, I wish I could take a day off. So I feel like most of them have that mentality. I, I, you see some that don't, and I think they burn out and aren't, don't last very long. So I think the NBA was trying to protect its product, uh, just as you know the NFL is trying to reduce concussions uh, and other sports. Baseball has the pace of play rules. I think the NBA realized that coaches are or coaches are going to take their players out anyways. Might as well just make it so that they have no excuse now. And I think if you can reduce injuries and get players to play more games because now they don't have to rest they have rest days i think you put a better product so you might be you know complaining about them living in the the laps of luxury and not having to play as much but wouldn't you rather have that i don't know you know he's calling them babies but wouldn't you rather be better rested and be able to put out a better product I, just, I think if that if they do play in all the games when they're physically able, because yeah, coaches like Greg Popovich have been resting them and, and not playing players when they had a physical ability to play it. They were not injured. He was just doing it for the sake of rest. If this change makes it so that um, coaches like Popovich play their players in all the games, because that's a lot of times you know part of Barkley's point was, hey, you're resting players and they're not playing, and they're making thirty, forty million dollars a year. And people are paying a significant amount of their income to go to the game, buy a ticket, and then that star player is not playing that night. And so, again, if the outcome is that those players are playing in more of the games, I think that's an, a good outcome. I also think you know fewer injuries and those types of things. The If the NBA is doing it for all of those reasons, that's comp- I, actually I, I think your argument is compelling. You've changed my mind. I think the difference is – if the NBA did it simply because the players request to do it. Um, I don't think that to me is not, and and that's really, I think, where Barkley's argument was, not for all the reasons that you were, but the players specifically were saying, hey, we want to play fewer back-to-backs, so the NBA catered to them. Probably not a, I don't think that's a compelling enough argument. The arguments you made with regards to safety, quality of the product, um, coaches are already recognizing the benefits of it and are resting their players, and therefore people are coming to games and not seeing the players they want to see play. All of those are strong reasons to uh, reduce the number of back-to-back games that NBA players play. I guess we'll just have to find out. We'll have to watch the season, and if guys are still sitting out 10, 20 games just for for no reason, uh, I mean, I'm not... Uh, Greg Popovich is a very successful coach. And honestly, I don't think it's going to be enough for them to change it because I think they said the average, you know, was they've moved it from they'll have 16. Last season, they had an average of 16.3 back-to-back games last season. Now the average is 14.4. That's really two fewer back-to-back games. They're still, that means that there's still 14 per team that means 28 games there's still a that's still a significant number of games back to back and i think a coach like popovich and the others who see the benefit of resting their players are going to continue to do it because in the end they're wanting to give their shareholders their fans their owners championships and if it means resting their superstars down the road and having them play four or five fewer games they're still going to do it yeah so all right well I have nothing else. Do you have any? Nope. We'll have to leave it till next Thursday. All right. You want to sign us off? Sure. Have a great night.